my account, um, a really valuable lesson uh, that I think is uh, really well, helpful to us. Uh, but he starts out in one and two. My son, give attention to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may observe discretion and your lips may reserve knowledge. So, who's got the responsibility here? The son. The son. What does he need to do? Incline his ear to understand. Yeah, he got to listen to it. You got to really pay attention to understand it and uh, observe it. So here's what he say. Here's here's what he teaches. Three to fourteen. From lips of an adulteress drip honey, and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of shield. She does not ponder the path of life, her ways are unstable. She does not know it. Now then, my sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house, or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one. And strangers will be filled with your strength, and your hard-earned goods will go to the house of nail. And the groan at your final end. When your, when your flesh and your body are consumed. And you say, how do I hate instruction? And my heart smirk for food. I have not listened to the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to my instructors. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly of the congregation. So who is he speaking about here? What's the danger? or moral woman. Yeah, this woman. Uh, some of the translations say strange woman. What they mean by strange is she doesn't belong to you. You know, she's, she's, you haven't got a covenant with her. So she's somebody else's wife. She's somebody who doesn't belong to you. And uh, you got to watch her. Now, there are several passages. We've already had one in chapter 2 where he warns about the temptation of sexual immorality and a woman that will lead us astray. Now, he's speaking to his son. So he's doing this in a, you know, talking to his son about a, a woman. There'd be some things that women ought to think about in connection with men as well. I think there'd be parallel kinds of statements. But he's focusing here from the standpoint of his son. Now, I think we really need to listen and pay careful attention to some of what he says. First of all, I don't know that you would have thought this, but verse 3, what is her first and most effective weapon, this adulterous woman? What she says. You wouldn't have thought it was that, would you? But it is. Because the temptation to immorality is more than just sexual. It's not so much just physical. What kinds of things does this strange woman say? How are how are her lips so so dangerous? Yeah. 
she gives the impression that she's a good woman. Right, she may give the impression she's a good woman. It's smooth. It's persuasive. Very appealing. Why? What's she saying? She's building up his ego. Yes. She's building up his ego. She's giving him attention. She's, you know, talking about... What kind of things will she say to build up his ego? <laughs> so smart, so intelligent, big stuff. Great physique, great intelligence. Tell you guys haven't been seduced. <laughs> what, what kind of things is she going to say? Well, in that picture in chapter seven, you see that she, you know, you're the only one, you're the, you're the one I've been looking for. You're, I've been looking for you. So she's saying to him, you are important. You are so important to me. You are so special. I need you. You know, you do so much for me. You know, it's, it's you know, and it's developing a bond. You know, I don't know. I mean, some of you may be, but I hope most of you guys are not the kind of guys who would go onto the street and pay somebody to spend the night with you. Somebody you don't know. There's a lot of guys who do that. That's a temptation. It's a temptation sometimes for Christian guys. But I would assume most of you would be kind of grossed out by that. You don't even know this woman. You just give her some money and she'll perform for you. Hey, that's kind of that's kind of sick. For most of us, it's going to be you build up this relationship, and she she tells you, and she she becomes close to you. You develop this bond, and you know, I, think of this first of all in connection with somebody like me. I'm a married guy. You know, she's a married woman, but she comes to me and she starts telling me about her problems, and about her needs, and how I, I, I'm really so sympathetic. I really am so understanding. She feels like she can talk to me. You know, and when I, when I talk to her, she feels like there's somebody who's, who's wise and who can, who can give her good insight. And somebody she feels like appreciates her. Somebody who cares about her. You know, her husband, unfortunately, he's just pretty you know, self, selfish, he's, he's pretty harsh, he never really shows her that, she just feels so bad about herself. You know, she feels like nobody, she's just really unattractive, she's really, she's not very special, and, and when she's around me, you know, I make her feel like she's really a person, you know, like, like she's worth something. And, you know, and when I hear about how bad her husband treats her, what do I want to do? Comfort. Treat her well. You know, she's crying. What do I want to do? Console her. Give her a hug. You know, make her realize that she is really a fine person. You know, she feels really ugly. Really, you know, whatever. So what do I tell her? She's pretty. Oh, you're really pretty. You know, and all that. And... We build up this bond. That's not the first time we talk, but over a period of time, she just needs me a lot. And she turns to me a lot. And I, I, I feel like, you know, she, she 
you know, she sees things in me that maybe most people don't even realize about me. You know, she understands me. And, and I'm trying to give her comfort and encouragement and assurance. And we develop this close bond. And we start feeling for each other. And we start feeling with each other. Now I understand her. I know when she's struggling with things. I know when things are bothering her. She understands me. Because I opened up and shared some of my problems with her. I don't want her to be the only one that you know shares those things. And do you see how this stuff goes? It starts with what she says. It starts with this verbal bond. And the same thing, you know, this has an application in some senses to you guys who are single. I think you have to think about, you know, sometimes there may be a girl. You, you guys are single, almost all of you. So it would be okay at some point in time for you to develop an interest in some girl. And even get married to her. You know, that's part of God's plan. That's not a wrong kind of a thing. But what if she's a woman that's really not best for you? What if she's a woman that, you know, maybe she's a married woman. Or maybe she's an divorced woman. Or maybe she's somebody who's not really a strong Christian woman. She's not really somebody who's going to be best for you. And so you know, well, I would never get interested in her. But you start to, she starts talking to you and she starts needing you and she starts feeling close to you and you start trying to help her. The same kinds of processes can go, go on even among unmarried people where you're drawn to somebody that really you shouldn't be drawn to and you didn't intend for it to go there. But you develop an emotional attachment by what she says, first of all. So... First, she speaks, and her lips drip honey, and they're smoother than a plant. Comments and questions for verse 30. I read about a man describing, you know, how he ended up in an affair with this woman. He he said that his wife described this woman as just a blonde-headed bimbo that he went out to get, you know, this younger woman. But it really wasn't, that wasn't where it started. That's where it ended up, you know, in a sexual relationship. But it started with, you know, what she said to him, how she praised him, and how she thought the world of him. Um, you know, he, he was especially vulnerable to that because he wasn't getting that as much from his wife. Doesn't make it an excuse at all. But, uh, you know, that's a real vulnerability in men. Men are vulnerable when it comes to the ego. You know that? We like a girl who sees good things, who really likes us, who respects us, who appreciates us. You know, do you see that kind of stuff? I mean, that's, a guy is really vulnerable on that. we got to be careful. You get a girl who starts showing you that she appreciates you. And it's not, you know, I guess for some guys, if she said, you're really muscular, you know, maybe that would impress them. But that seems a little too uh, something. You know, it's going to be more deeper things. It's going to be more things that are deeper quality, she sees in you. That, that you know, you really would like for somebody to see in you. So, it's a good, good illustration. Right. Now look at verse 4. What's the problem? Verse 4, 5, 4 and 5. What, what, what ends up happening? 
the, the beginning was sweet, honey, but in the end, bitter as one word. One word. Sharp as a two-edged sword, her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of shield. If you are going to go down a road, what's the main thing you want to know? Where it's going. Where is it going? That is the that is, you know, step one, part one of wisdom. Where is this going? What's the consequences? You know, wisdom doesn't just think about how do I feel right now. It thinks about what's the ultimate consequence? Where is this taking me? There's always an afterword in immoral sexual relationships. There's always a consequence. The appearances are misleading, but they're, but they're deadly. You know, he says, sharp as a two-edged sword. You know what a two-edged sword is, right? It can cut one way and then the other way. Exactly. You can't escape injury. It's a two-edged sword. There's no blunt side. She's going to hurt you. And guys, I'd say this also. Maybe... You know, she wasn't on the surface that bad a girl. But if you have an immoral relationship with her, you're not married to her, and yet you make out with her, and that is wrong in itself, and you go on to other things, and you end up in the bedroom together, it will have consequences. It will hurt her. It is a two-edged sword. It's bitter. That's the consequence. If you get involved with her, it's a short trip to the grave. So stay away from her. He says she does not ponder the path of life. Her ways are unstable. She does not know it. You know, this kind of a woman, she's going all over the place. She doesn't look at where she's going. She's not stable. She's not... You know, she can even look spiritual sometimes. You know, it's, it's just, she's not got a fixed moral compass to live her life by. Alright, comments and questions through verse 6. Gary, I think this is a fair contrast. There's a verse in Song of Solomon, um, chapter 4, verse 11, and it says, Your lips, my bride, drip honey. Honey and milk are under your tongue. Kind of the contrast in how in, a pro- in its proper place in a marriage relationship, the bride can have lips that Drip honey that are good and wholesome versus, and they all have a bad aftertaste, versus the lips of the adulterous that look sweet but they're really not in any Good point. Yeah, good point. Josh? I think it's interesting. We see, um, so we saw in the last uh, section, in chapter 4, in the last section there, we saw the anatomy of a righteous person.
point. I hadn't thought about that contrast, but that's a good point. Look at the consequences. Look what you get by getting close to, to her house. He says in verse 7, Now then, my sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her door and do not go near the door of her house. Stay away from her. The door of her house is the point of no return. Don't get close. Now, uh, this may not be practical for you yet, although it may be. Maybe you've got, let's make it practical, and I'll, I'll give you a couple other illustrations. Maybe you've got a girl. She's not good for you. She's not somebody you ought to be around. She's not going to lift you up. She's going to drag you down. What do you do? How do you, what do you mean by get rid of me? Get away from her. Whatever it takes. So now you're not going to date, you're going to just be friends. How's that going to work out? Her mouth is still that tool that she'll use. You cannot still be friends. You cannot. Let me tell you where this is practical sometimes. You know, you've got a married guy. And there's a girl at work. And all that scenario goes on. And they develop this attachment. And say, you know, they have an inappropriate relationship. You know what he's got to do? If he wants to do what's right. Get another job. You don't stay working the same place. You may be a great job, but you, you can't stay around. You have to get away. You know, guys, girls, if you're with a girl or a guy, you're developing an interest in them, maybe you're dating them, maybe you have dated them, and they're bad news for you, get away. Don't stay anywhere close to the door of her house. The farther the temptation is out of our way, the surer we are not to yield to it. Break off contact completely. You know, talk to each other, you know, send each other notes, you know, look at each other's Facebook page, whatever. You're completely, you got to stay away. Keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of, your house, of her house. Stay away. Don't think, well, I, we can still, we can still hang out together, we can still be friends, we're just not going to do that anymore. Right. I'm going to work that one. That's not what he said to do. Comments and thoughts about that idea through verse 8. Gary, what if she needs you? You know, what if you are the only person that she can talk to? What if you are helping her so much spiritually and there's just no one else that, you know, she's just going to go off with him and completely leave the Lord if you leave her? Yes, great question. That's exactly what will happen. You're her only hope. You know, if you are not close to her, she'll never become a Christian. Or if you're not close to her, she won't be able to deal with things. Tell me it's helping her for this person who's been immoral with her to be close to her. That's helping her. There are other people in the world who can help her. And some people who are not going to be sexually immoral with her. You stay away. If she wants help, suggest the elders. Or their wives. <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
Exactly. And it's the seductive tool. It's it's like there's all kinds of reasons why she just still needs to talk to you. You know, and it's exactly what she's built up. You are so special and so important because, you know, she's going to kill herself if you're not close to her. You know, she's being mistreated by her family, by her friends, by everybody. Nobody understands her. Life is horrible. And the only thing she's got is you. And that's exactly what he's going to be portrayed. I think what we need to do in a case like that is as much as possible... I was sitting here just kind of contemplating some people that were in the back of my mind that I know this has happened to. Married people, divorce, uh, catastrophic family explosions. And if someone tells us that we're the only one that can help them spiritually, we have to let them know that we can't help them spiritually. Only Jesus can help them. And I'm not one to teach you about it. I've got this older couple over here Distracting them from looking at the Lord if they're that attached to us. Yeah, yeah, we got. We can't be the one to help in that situation, even if it weren't dangerous for us. They've got a fixation upon us that's not helpful. To get away. So, but that's a very good point. That is exactly the kind of thing. And you're going to face that perhaps. That's one reason, guys, gals, just don't get involved with that kind of person. You know, this person, not a Christian, they don't have a good reputation, you know, but they really need me. Stay away. That's not the person that you need to be close to. Again, maybe you haven't developed a relationship, but they're telling you they really need you and they need you for all this. Well, alright. This girl is, you know, 18. You're 19. And she's got to have you. Surely there are people with more wisdom and experience than you that would be more helpful. You know, suggest some. If they really want help, they'll go. You know, but you know, whoa, this girl, she's got a bad reputation, she's not serving God, but she's really pretty, and I could be attracted to her. You don't want to get you don't want to get into the middle of the relationship and realize I've got to cut this thing off. Just don't don't start it. You're not that important. You're not that essential. You know, and when she starts telling you all this stuff and feeding you these lines that she can't live without you, run! You know, that, that is Satan seducing. And it just, it's amazing because it happens over and over and over again. It's the pattern. You hear it. You see it. And, you know, it's like, wow. It's just, you eventually get to where you don't want to hear another one of those stories. Other thoughts, really good comments so far. Guys do it too on the flip side. I don't know how many times, even brethren I've seen, I've seen to get in here because they're flattering them for sexual things. You know what I mean? They're trying to get in their mind and say how pretty they are and how, you know, they, they're the only one and stuff. And they just, that's, they just have a trigger. Well, yeah, I'm going to kill myself if, if I don't have you, girl. 
You know, I mean, I don't know what I'll do. I've got, you've got to stay with me. I mean, I just can't, I, you know, whatever. No! You know, and guys may, there are times when guys are really bad about that. And they lay this guilt trip on the girl that, you know, if she doesn't give them attention, you know, this, that, the other thing are going to happen. You don't want to be with a guy like that. And, and, and there are some ways in which girls, you to be careful, you got to think about this. I mean, guys are generally, you know, more forceful in their personality. And you get yourself involved with some kind of guys. Whoa. I mean, how are you going to get away from them? Your best bet is not to get close to them. you got a guy who is really needy, who's really dominating, and he's not had good other relationships. Why do you want him? Oh, yeah, I know. He thinks you're wonderful. Let's have told the last, you know, few that fell victim to him. You know, you don't want that. And you get a guy or a girl who you start a little bit of relationship with them and they want it to go too far physically. I remember, this was in Brazil. I hated doing this. But there was a Christian guy who was, I was really close to. And he developed a girlfriend who was a worldly girl, bad background. She became a Christian shortly after. She was a, she had a good heart. And then, after a long period of time, some things slipped, and people found out they were having an immoral relationship with each other. This godly Christian guy who converted this girl. When they were confronted, they repented. I believe sincerely repented. I was there shortly thereafter. I was really close with the guy. I sat down and talked to him. I said, you know what I want to do? I said, she doesn't have a father to guide her. I said, I would like to sit down with her in your presence. And I would like to tell her what it means when you do these things with her. He agreed to that. It was really hard for her. She cried. But I told him, I told her in his presence, I said, when he wants all these things, he is using you. He's not loving you. He's trying to get his fun taking advantage of your body. And I turned to him and I said, is that true? He said, yeah, that's true. It hurt her to realize that's what he was trying to do. That was exactly the case. You, know, you don't want a guy, you don't want a gal who, they want to accelerate this thing in forbidden territory. But if they respect you, they don't want that. They want it because they're selfish. And they're thinking about their own pleasure. And your purity and virtue doesn't mean anything. No matter how much they tell you they love you. There's so many things to really be wary of. And no wonder Solomon keeps talking about these kind of things. Josh? I think it's really helpful to look at examples of people who have brought into these things. Anything. But I think it's also encouraging to look at somebody like Joseph, uh, because often we get we get in those relationships and we, and we think you know, there's no way to get out, or there's no way to get away from that, um, because you know, we just get trapped by it. But Joseph did get away. He he was in the same house with him alone. He could have easily got away, easily, but he fled. Uh, he was 
think sometimes our reasons for not doing it is because we don't want her reputation. We don't want, you know, to have, you know, have that image. Um, and that's the only reason we don't go into this. But we need to see that it's, it's a sin against God. And her is God. Uh, not just our image or our reputation. Um, but look, look at people like Joseph and see that they could get out of that situation. And they did leave that situation. And, and their reasons for and his reason for that situation. Excellent point. Yes, that's exactly right. He needs to be our hero. Other thoughts? Just think, uh, you know, throughout the New Testament, and throughout the Bible, it never says to fight fornication. It always says to flee. So, you know, that might be a hint. You know, you're going to be overwhelmed and you're going to lose if you try and fight it. So just flee. That's a great point. I like that. I hadn't heard it that way, but I like that a lot. That's exactly right. You know what? I mean, you know this idea... I mean, we're so often like, well, okay, we won't let it happen again. We'll go that far the next time. Oh, good grief. You know? I mean, what are we, what are we just kidding ourselves with? Deceiving ourselves with? Um, we just need to strive for pure relationships. Look at what he says the consequences are. Alright, so you, you get close to her. Verse 9, you give your strength to her. You give your money to her. Strangers will be filled with your strength. Uh, your hard-earned goods will go to the house of an alien. You know, you're going to have to pay her off. You're going to have to pay off her husband. You're going to have to pay child support. You're going to have to pay the blackmail money. You know who knows. Pay the lawyer's fees. You know, it's just, your physical health is, is ruined. Sexually transmitted diseases, whatever. Um, it, it's really bad, but, but worse. And here's the thing. Where's it left? And you groan at your final end when your flesh and your body are consumed and you say, I've hated instruction. My heart's burning reproof. They tried to tell me and I didn't listen. The pangs of remorse. You know you knew better and you still did it. I have not listened to the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to my instructors. You know, and you're just shamed and humiliated. Wow. You know, I want you to think about it. You know, it is absolutely amazing how otherwise intelligent people ruin themselves with these kind of things. Tell me that Bill Clinton was dumb. He's a dumb person. He's an intelligent man, and he knows a lot about even people. What in the world was he thinking? You know, there will never be, you know, an American... Uh, you know, from that generation. Who will ever think about Bill Clinton and not think about Monica Lewinsky? You know, why? You look at that, I can't remember his name, that governor of New York. And he was, you know, apparently almost ready to run for president and just totally destroyed himself. And on and on, this politician after politician that have just absolutely destroyed their lives, you know, with stupidity. Why? You know, it's like, it just shows you how foolish. Preacher after preacher after preacher who have involved themselves with women and ruined themselves. You know, 
run their work, their families, and they knew better. Why? Because this is a terribly seductive temptation. You know, almost an utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Why would you ruin your life, your career, your family, your reputation, and your relationship with God on some immoral woman? There's just, we just really have to, to be serious in fleeing these things. You know, I, I, uh, I've tried to be really careful in my life. As a married man, you know, I don't talk to a woman like by myself and by herself in her house or in my house. Um, you know, I, I don't go alone with her to some other place and have lunch or talk or whatever. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have some kind of physical contact that would be unusual or, or whatever with her, you know, in most cases, if, I, if, if there's a need for her to talk with me, then I'll have Sandra involved as well. You know, we, I've had situations in my life. I've had situations where, um, you know, some, some woman really needed to study the Bible with me. And uh, uh, maybe a Christian woman, but she's got a lot of trouble and issues. And uh, I'd say, uh, okay, uh, Sandra and I will uh, will study with you. And I, I remember some situa- a situation in which uh, that lasted about you know one study. It didn't seem she was too interested in Sandra and I studying. Uh-huh. And uh, you know there were two or three more episodes like that. And uh, finally, I just uh, Sandra and I talked about it, and so I said, uh, well, you know, Sandra would be glad to study with you. <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean. You need to be careful. You need to be watchful. I really don't think I would fall in those things. Uh, but what's the best insurance of that? Take heat. Yeah, you don't get involved in a situation where that could happen. You know, if I'm not ever developing a friendship with a woman in any special way, not special places with her, you know, Sandra's involved in the relationships that I have, you know, and, and there's, there, you know, if, if a woman really is needing help, she needs counseling, she needs somebody to care about her, then, you know, involving, uh, you know, some other man in some situations or involving Sandra, you know, where it's not me, it's not me in a relationship with that woman or anything like that, it's just safer. You know, it, it avoids the possibility of this happening. You may have heard me use this illustration, but it, I think it was pretty uh, wise. I, I heard Sewell Hall telling something that happened to him several years ago, that uh, he had been teaching a man in prison, and the man wanted him to teach his wife, and they developed a relationship with this woman, but she'd not been interested after a while. And then sometime later, she calls up on the phone, and they were about to kick her out of her apartment, and she needed some, some money for rent and, and Sewell was concerned for her and uh, they arranged that he was supposed to come over at noon and he, he had some money, he'd give her some money for the rent well his wife wasn't available to go so he took one of the elders in the congregation they went up to the door not 
knocked on the door, knocked on, nobody came. I thought that was kind of strange. He was worried about it, really. And so that night, he went back with Kanita, and they knocked on the door, and still nobody came. He, he, he found the manager of the apartment and asked about it. And they're like, no, she's, she's current on her rent. It's kind of bewildering, so it's kind of, well, whatever, you know. So about three weeks later, Kanita was looking in the newspaper. There's a story about these two women who had set up this scam. They were doing this. One of them was undressed in the bedroom. The other one would answer the door, and it'd be some pastor or community leader of some sort, who'd be the same kind of thing, be bringing something. He'd come in, then the undressed one from the bedroom would let out a scream. They'd rush back there, they had a camera set up. And they take this picture of the guy with the undressed woman and then blackmail him. Not to publish the picture, you know, to get money. That's kind of an elaborate scheme. Wow. You know? wow. But Sewell's point was the fact that he never went to a single woman's house by himself. Obviously, when they saw somebody else with him, they weren't going to open the door and, you know, deal with that. And so it protected it. Now, that's not going to happen every day of the week. <laughs> but I'll tell you, there's a lot of benefit in doing things the right way. You do things the right way, you don't have problems. You follow wisdom's principles, it gets you out of a lot of jams. People are mean. People are mean. Yeah. Right, anything you want to say through verse 14? All right, 15 to the end of the chapter. There ain't water from your own crescent, and running water from your own well. So your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the street. Let them be only your own and not the strangers with you. Let the fountain be blessed and rejoice with the life you need. To love and dear and grace will go. Let her rest satisfied at all times and always be enraptured with the love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by a moral woman and be embraced in the arms of seductress? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his thoughts. And his own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of sin. He shall die for lack of instruction, and the greatness of his policy shall be against Alright, here's what he says you ought to do. It's not just some idea that sex is bad. It's great in its proper place. Drink water from your own sister, and fresh water from your own well. Don't disperse the waters. You know, be, keep yourself for your wife. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let her satisfy you. The best way for a man to resist sexual temptation is to pursue a great relationship with his wife. Now, we're in a culture that thinks that you know, multiple partners is more exciting, is more fun, or whatever. This is not true. Maintaining yourself exclusively for your mate does not limit your pleasure. It deepens it. It enhances it. It's so much better than the 
garbage the world presents. It is perfectly right and exactly what God wants that husbands and wives desire each other and they enjoy their relationship with each other. That's a beautiful thing. It's exactly what God intends. But it, it's a perversion of that that's ugly when, when sex is taken out of marriage and shared with others. Either pre-marriage or along with marriage. It should be that my body is my wife's period. Never been anybody else's. That's the goal. For most of you, thank God, you can say that's true right now. You keep that true all your life. If you've fallen in that, repent. And keep it true all the rest of your life. It's that God does not want our bodies with anyone else. But God designed it to where the highest expression of our closeness as a husband and wife is the sexual relationship. And that's a part of God's expectation, in fact, in marriage. And, and isn't it nice, if this is something God wanted husbands and wives to be involved with, that he made it pleasurable and not a torture? That's, that's a blessing. It's a great thing. But it's so wrong when it's not in its right place. So he says, keep them in its proper balance. You know, love each other. Be fascinated by your wife. Because verse 21, God sees everything. You will not escape. And verse 22 and 23, God is just and you will be punished. So he really says a lot in this passage. He warns about the sexual immorality. And he really helps us with what we should pursue. And that is keeping ourselves exclusively for our men. You know, that, that's, that, wouldn't that be ideal? Isn't that what you want? That never has your body been used by anybody else. It is strictly for your future mate. You might think about this. When it comes to, you know, your relationship with a girl or a guy, you're dating or you're friends. One day, the girl you're dating will be somebody's wife, more than likely. Maybe yours, but maybe not. I know a ton of people who were sure they were going to get married, and they didn't. A ton of people, even engaged people, who were sure they were going to get married, and they didn't. Happens a lot. You really don't know. Uh, but she's going to belong to somebody sometime. Just like the woman you're going to marry is going to belong to you one day. But she may well be dating somebody else right now. What do you want that somebody else to be doing with her body right now? She's going to be yours one day. How far do you want him to be, be going with her right now? The body of the girl that you're dating doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God primarily. And it will belong to her husband. But it's not yours. It's not for you to exploit her body for your own personal pleasure. We really need to keep those principles. Comments and questions on 
any of this stuff in chapter 5 of what we're talking about. throw this in there for um, we were talking about you know you or preachers you know going to somebody else with a woman um, you know not going alone there's some people who you may date who may have become a Christian that their parents don't care what you do and so even though you're in the hospital their parents there I mean they may not care so don't put yourself in that situation either Go to somebody else's house that does care. That will help you. And that's, uh, I'll just throw that in there. Yeah, there's a lot of things that you just have to be careful about when you're dating. A lot of places you don't need to be. A lot of things you don't need to do. You just have to really be wise and realize, be honest with yourself. Some things are just not going to help you stay pure. Don't go there. Other thoughts, comments? All right, really good to uh, study these things together. Really practical lessons in Proverbs. I really like this book. Uh, it's very you know, helpful to us. If we're really.